All right, we are recording. Hello, podcast family. It has been a while since I came on and recorded a solo episode. Um, As I get the podcast back on track, as I start to create new episodes for you all, I felt super inspired to um, record this episode that needs to happen. This episode needs to happen. It, I think, is a big, very largely misunderstood topic. Um, and it's the basis, the like the central axis to what I teach, what I share with my clients, what has changed my own life. And it just feels like a disservice, the misconceptions out there about Kundalini about kundalini yoga, about the practice of kundalini, about the concept. And so I just feel so inspired to bring this to you all today. If you've been following me for a while, or even if you're just finding me through Googling about kundalini, um, am I allowed to use the word Googling? Is that branded? Through search engineering about kundalini. Um, I want this to be a clarifying episode. I want this to be a revelatory episode illuminating the truth of what kundalini is because it has been bastardized in the inevitable um, deterioration of any concept, any spiritual concept, once it sort of goes mainstream. And it doesn't mean that things going mainstream are bad. I just think that there needs to be more emphasis on when these spiritual concepts become more accessible to the masses, that we remember where they came from, remember the original teaching, because as the teachings get shared and little bits and pieces get taken off and made into bite-sized, you know, flash sale worthy pieces that are more digestible, they lose their magic. They, they lose the original intention that the original um, founders, creators, downloaders of these sacred technologies, um, you know, received. Because especially with yoga, it was given to these rishis, these, these, uh, these wise ones thousands of years ago directly from God, directly from source. It was downloaded during meditation. This did not come from any previous books, tablets, you know, stories, whatever. And so the more that we see, I don't know, this could be a whole other podcast episode, right? The commodification of these ancient sacred technologies, the, um, like it's, it's, it's a new age trend, right? Oh, the chakras. Let's talk about the chakras. Let's just focus on the chakras. Well, the chakras are actually part of the subtle energy body, which is part of this much more expansive, broad and complicated system within the yogic technology, within your pranic body. And the, the chakras even are completely misunderstood. And it's no one's fault if they have practiced with the chakras, learned the chakras, and it has been not the full picture. Um, But now you have the opportunity to learn more about kundalini. And that's all we're here to do, right? I'm never here to tell you that, um, you know, these things that you're learning that maybe not in their full form are wrong or bad, or that only my way is correct or only a certain teacher's way is correct. I am always for just 
learning more, being well-informed about what you're working with, right? Seeing the cultural, sociological, historical context of the teachings that you are working with, where they come from, who they come from, what the original intention is. And this just brings this beautiful texture, this beautiful richness to our practice, right? Because we see the big picture and we understand the underlying philosophies and we're, it's more grounded, right? We're not just, when we bring ourselves to a broader and more informed understanding of where these things come from, where these practices come from, we're more grounded, right? It's more integrated because we're getting all of the pieces, right? If you wanted to have a better body and you, all you did was start to eat salads, that's literally just one piece, right? And you are, you, yeah, you'll get somewhere. You'll lose some weight probably. You'll, your skin will be brighter. You'll have better digestion. But it's only a piece of the whole integrated holistic picture, right? The act of getting a healthier body is exercising more, moving more, sweating, taking care of yourself, uh, do, you know, doing mindfulness to, to bring your mental body into, into balance, eating better, drinking better, cutting out certain things like alcohol and sugar. So there's more of a context that if you access the holistic context, you're going to have a much greater effect and a much more integrated effect into your life, right? Okay, so off my soapbox, (sighs) this episode is, well, actually, in my notebook, I have written down WTF is Kundalini. (laughs) I think I'm going to name the episode The Truth About Kundalini. But if you've been in my space, if you've been in my world, you've heard me speak about Kundalini. Kundalini yoga, Kundalini practice, Kundalini energy. Well, what the heck does that mean? What is this wild, exotic, funky sounding word? Kundalini is all over the internet. Kundalini is all over now. It is a popular term. And in the modern or what I call new age perspective, which is this, it's this um, phenomenon of these ancient energetic, and not even, not all ancient. Some of them are new, right? Law of attraction is a newer uh newer philosophy, but it's these philosophies based in metaphysics and energetics and the qu- and quantum and um, based on manifest- manifestation and meditation and, and the expansion of the self and the soul that have been pushed out in mass amounts because we have the internet, because we have modern technology, and because we are in a great awakening where there's this wave of people desiring to learn how to work with their energy, work with their minds, work with their souls, and awaken. And so within this new age, um, just expansion of all these ideas, kundalini has kind of swirled in there. And many understand kundalini as this intense energy that causes people to have these wild experiences. And I'd love for you to take a pause on the podcast if you are already kind of recalling what you think of kundalini and just sit with what comes up when you think of kundalini, kundalini yoga, kundalini awakenings, because there's a lot out there. Now, in the modern new age uh, vernacular, right, lexicon, you may have heard the terms kundalini awakening, right? Kundalini, yeah, kundalini awakening. 
And this is this idea that you have Kundalini within you. And when it awakens, it, it's like this very intense process. And there's these glamorous, glitzy, exotic, mysterious, sexy stories out there about Kundalini awakenings where people like people's whole lives like totally changed and they felt like they were going crazy and they went through an ego death and all this stuff. And a lot of that may happen, but I believe that um, the word Kundalini has become a buzzword, but it's misunderstood. So in the modern new age, Kundalini is often thought of as this, um, the awakening of your sexual energy. People think that Kundalini is a sexual awakening. It's really, it's, it's, it's like the sexual energy moving upwards and awakening you. Um, that's not entirely true. In fact, it's not really even the basis of what Kundalini is. And we'll get into that. So Kundalini is thought of as this, this life force that once it awakens, it moves upward through the chakras, through the center of the body, and it wakes you up by kind of like blasting open your third eye. And this sounds really amazing, really beautiful. And that, tr- that is somewhat the mechanics of it, but there's a m- lot more to it, right? Of course, there's a lot more to it. And so I want you to, just for the sake of this episode, erase, delete, wash out everything you've learned about Kundalini in the past, everything that you think you know about it. And let's go into the, just like a brief, um, high level overview of the truth about Kundalini yoga, right? All right. I'm going to quickly take a sip of tea because y'all are my friends. Y'all will understand. Amazing. So the, the Kundalini, if you have practiced Kundalini yoga, if you've gone to a Kundalini yoga class, if you have encountered Kundalini yoga in the West, you have probably encountered Kundalini yoga as taught by Yogi Bhajan. Yogi Bhajan. And Yogi Bhajan did bring his form of Kundalini yoga to the West. So Yogi Bhajan is, well, he, the late uh, Yogi Bhajan, so was a Punjabi, he's of Punjabi origin, right? The Punjab region of India, um, which is primarily Sikh background. So it's not Hindu, um, but Sikh background. Yogi Bhajan or Harbhajan Singh Khalsa created what he branded Kundalini Yoga. And he brought this to America. He taught it to American people, Western people, right? As this yoga that is more meditative, it brings you more into uh, your, your energy, your, your consciousness, right? It's a very deep, potent, transformative form of yoga. And Yogi Bhajan created his, his brand Kundalini Yoga from lots of different uh, aspects of Hatha yoga, you know, the Mysore school and all these people that he had learned from and kind of pulled it together into what he calls Kundalini yoga. Now, Kundalini yoga that Yogi Bhajan branded and taught does have a lot of similarities to practices that I'm going to speak to that are more, are more classical that activate our Kundalini energy. But Yogi Bhajan did a little bit of um, poetic license. He had a little bit of poetic artistic license with the lineage of Kundalini Yoga. He did claim that Kundalini Yoga itself, in the way he taught it, had ancient origins when it's more uh, 
true to say that he kind of created his own form of yoga that he calls kundalini yoga from different pieces and parts of practices he had learned throughout his life. Kundalini yoga, as taught by Yogi Bhajan, is all, all the mantras are in the Gurmukhi language, right? Gurmukhi. So as opposed to classical mantras that we use in Tantra, right? Which is where we first actually hear about Kundalini as an energy force, which are in Sanskrit, right? And many classical yogic mantras are in Sanskrit. And um, anyway, that's just, that's just a slight difference. So if you've ever practiced Kundalini and you've, um, you know, used the Mere Guru Dev or Satanama or Satnam, those are in Gurmukhi, right? Not Sanskrit. No, there's nothing wrong with the Kundalini yoga practice as taught by Yogi Bhajan. The, the, the point I want to make is many think when they hear the word Kundalini yoga equals that, equals the practices taught by Yogi Bhajan, equals the white turban, equals the Gurmukhi um, mantras, right? And this is simply not true. Yogi Bhajan was a guru. He was a spiritual teacher and he was an entrepreneur. And he branded this very specific form of yoga and then spread it around. And so this is actually not where we first see or hear of Kundalini yoga. He did not invent it. So I just wanted to make that distinction because the Kundalini yoga, well, the the Kundalini energy that I'm about to speak to and the practices that we use to activate it and work with it actually come from classical Tantra. They actually come from this classical ancient yogic uh, lineage of Tantra that is the philosophy and the practice of expanding your consciousness, of becoming one with the unified whole of universal energy, of awakening to your true nature and tapping into life force energy. So this is classical Tantra versus Neo-Tantra, which is a whole other podcast episode I'll be making. Neo Tantra is where we start to see the um, the sacred sexuality, you know, sex magic, all of that stuff. Classical Tantra actually does really not have anything to do with sex. I mean, it's included because everything's included in Tantra, but it's not specifically about sex. So that's something that is a great point to understand going forward. So let's talk about classical kundalini, right? Because kundalini goes much farther than just a certain kind of yoga practice, right? Certain kinds of breath techniques and certain kinds of meditation techniques. Kundalini yoga, let's even just drop the word yoga off. Kundalini is a powerful and incredible energy expression in the world, in our bodies, in our consciousness, in our lives that can create the deepest awakening experiences that can make you feel so fucking alive. It's one of the strongest energy signatures in our universe. And when we can learn to work with it, to harness it and to integrate it in a healthy way, it's actually one of the most beautiful, graceful, love-filled pathways to God, to spirit, to your own self. Okay, so let's dive in. I'm going to look a little more sip of tea here. 
Okay, so before I even get into what Kundalini means, what what it is, how we work with it, let's talk about the history of classical Kundalini. It's really interesting. The first time that the word Kundalini is seen in any of the yogic canon, the yogic texts, is around the seventh century in a tantric text where the Kundalini is mentioned as the energy that begets the world, right? Kundalini is the basis of which the whole world bursts forth, right? So this already takes Kundalini way more broad than just a coiled serpent-like energy that rises up through the body. It's actually the origination of the entire universe. And this brings us back to the understanding of Kundalini as infinite potential energy, right? It is the potentialized energy that when unleashed creates and vibrates forth into creation, form, all of that good stuff, right? So it's really beautiful. And Kundalini has its basis in the idea of Shakti, which is that feminine life, the, the feminine aspect of life force energy that undulates throughout and creates the manifest universe. Now, when Kundalini was first written about in these tantric texts, it was not spoken up to as a serpent-like energy, as a snake. This is used as a way to create imagery about Kundalini, but Kundalini, the, the idea of Kundalini energy being tied to a snake came much later. And actually, the word Kunda, the base Kunda and Kundalini, comes from coil or spiral. So what is super cool about the history of the word is that back in the times when Kundalini was first spoken to as an energy form, there were these earrings called kundas, right? Or kundals, not sure which one. And you've probably seen them if you've been to Asia or if you've been, you know, to even like Burning Man or Envision Fest. It's like these spiral earrings that you twist into your ear and they're like this spiral like through your ear, your earring hole, right? Earring hole, that sounds disgusting. <laughs> and so women that wore these kunda or kundals were called kundalinis, right? Just like women who practice yoga were called yoginis. And so kundalini becomes, uh, the idea of kundalini evokes the idea of a coil. And that is because the energy of kundalini from the, it's the most original understanding is that energy that coils back, almost like pulling back a bowstring within you. And as the energy is coiling, it's gaining potential energy so that when it's discharged and released, it creates a burst of life force energy through the system. And so if you've ever been in a physics class, you remember the, 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 the depiction of potential energy with the spring, right? The spring is coiled, and when it's pressed down, it's got all this potential energy. And then you release the spring and bam, it's like just so much energy being unleashed. And this is the signature of Kundalini. When we work with our Kundalini energy, we're working with coiling or growing and building this potential life force energy, this pranic potential within us up and up and up. And then bam, it unleashes as an upward movement of energy through the body, waking us up, clearing stuck energy from the, the, the energy body, and 
really charging us up with life force energy so that we're moving from this kind of dead asleep state to so energized with Shakti or so energized with life force energy that we are awakened and we're vibrating and we're radically alive and there's no fucking going back because the light of consciousness has dawned on us. So this is where we get the idea of Kundalini being super fucking intense, right? It is intense, but it isn't necessarily like this awakening of the serpent that like takes you over and makes you into like a dancing, uh, possessed person speaking tongues with your like eyes rolling back in your head, right? Those are some sexy, fun stories about Kundalini experiences. And you definitely can have some pretty interesting experiences when you work with your kundalini energy. But it can be simpler, it can be sweeter, it can be more integrated, especially if we learn to work with it in a specific, safe way. So that is where classical kundalini comes from. And then forward in time, past the first instance of kundalini, we've had multiple different gurus and teachers and and other uh, spiritual leaders speak to the kundalini energy. It is very uh, ubiquitous in the tantric texts as an energy that we can learn to harness, we can awaken, harness, and work with. Now, does that mean that there is one, there is one specific school of yoga or one specific like facet of yoga or path of yoga that is called kundalini yoga? Not necessarily. The kundalini is an energy within us that we, we can awaken, we can work with, we can, we can shift, we can distribute. Multiple different yogic backgrounds have practices that work with kundalini. So when I speak to kundalini yoga, I'm actually speaking to lots of different techniques, pranayamas and techniques from hatha yoga, techniques from... Kriya yoga, different um, meditation techniques and breaths that work with our kundalini energy to harness it and to balance it and basically to just wake ourselves the fuck up so that we're completely, totally, radically alive, right? So hopefully that helps to broaden your perspective about this energy called kundalini that we can work with. Now, why is it so powerful? Okay. This is where we get into why kundalini can give people really intense experiences. If you've ever practiced kundalini, you may have had one of these experiences of just intensity, whether it be that the kundalini practice unlocked something within you, like a memory or a trauma or or, 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 a, or a sensation or an emotion, or whether you had an out-of-body experience where I've practiced kundalini before and passed out. And it doesn't mean that it was dangerous or bad. It just took me to a, a place outside of the mind into a place outside of the body. And when I came back, you know, I had to, I could integrate that. Kundalini is so powerful because it is one of the most potent ways to work with your prana. Prana is life force energy. And we, there is a limitless amount of prana pulsating throughout the universe. We can activate our own prana by working with the breath, working with the the energy, working with the body in certain ways. And once we become charged up with this prana and we have energy self-generated within us and we don't have to reach outward external factors for this energy, this life force, this awakeness anymore, 
we start to wake the fuck up to our true nature. We start to really, we start to have insights and intuition as we, and the prana literally acts as like this solvent to clear and cleanse us of conditioning and limiting beliefs and all this other stuff within that keeps us from feeling fully alive, that keeps us from living to our full potential, right? So um, Kundalini is really, really powerful because you're working with this life force energy and honestly, really not in a subtle way, right? This life force energy that we work with when we do certain breathwork techniques and meditation techniques and kriyas that activate our Kundalini, they can be very intense. They can make you feel like you can just feel a lot because the prana floods your system versus let's say, um, you know, maybe just quiet meditation where you're breathing in and out where it might take longer to feel the, feel as much prana in your system as the Kundalini um, practices actually infuse you with. So it's very powerful. It doesn't mean that it's scary or anything bad can happen to you, but it, it, can, uh, it can give you pretty intense experiences. And it needs to, you need to have a grounding and integrating practice technique in order to work with Kundalini in a way where it doesn't overwhelm your system, right? And so that's why it's so powerful. It does not mean that it's not for beginners, right? Um, it doesn't mean that it's only for advanced practitioners or that it's scary. The only thing scary, quote unquote, about Kundalini is that it does make you face your shit, right? It unlocks all that crap that you've been hiding in your body, all that energy that you have been locking away that needs to be dealt with, the emotional wounds and the memories and the patterns and just the stuff that you don't want to deal with. It unlocks it, kind of makes you face it and be in it. And so that's why with, um, with Kundalini, we, we have these integrative practices and these techniques that teach us to unlock this energy, unlock all these memories and traumas and wounds and, and conditioning and patterns, and then work with it in a healthy way. Okay, I'm gonna take a quick break, and when I come back, we're gonna to speak to um, how to start to learn Kundalini on your own, how to get initiated, and um, the beautiful, beautiful results of the practice once you begin this beautiful journey. All right, talk to y'all soon. If you all have been listening to my podcast for a while, you know that I do everything for this podcast myself. I record it on my phone, I edit it all on my own, and I post it to Anchor when I want to send it out to the World Wide Web to be listened to by everyone around the world who tunes into my podcast every day. Anchor is amazing. It makes creating and sharing a podcast so easy that even somebody who's not very techie can use it with no issues. You can record directly onto the podcast dashboard and you can use it on your phone or your desktop. 
It's seriously so easy to create your own podcast using Anchor. I think that everybody should have the chance to share their ideas, share what's on their mind, and share their magic through a podcast if that's what they want to do. And seriously, y'all, Anchor makes it so, so accessible. If you want to get set up with creating a podcast on Anchor, all you have to do is go to anchor.fm or search for the Anchor app in your app store on your phone. And from there, you can create an account and get going, get started, create your own podcast. It's really, really as easy as one, two, three. If you would like to get connected with Anchor, the link for Anchor is in the show notes on every episode of my podcast. So if you have been using not knowing how to create a podcast as an excuse to not get started on yours, you don't have an excuse anymore. Anchor is your way to do it without having to know how to produce and do all the fancy stuff, right? So if you're interested in Anchor, you can reach out to me and ask me any questions that you have or just go to anchor.fm now to get started. And now... Back to The Path Podcast. All right, you all, I am back. If there's background noise in this portion of the recording, it is because I am driving across town, Um, but I wanted to finish our transmission. So, um, the importance of integrating when you practice Kundalini is huge. Kundalini does create a huge amount of energy influx into your system, into your consciousness, into your nervous system, into your subtle body. And so if you just do Kundalini, do Kundalini, do Kundalini practices that bring your energy up, 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 up into the cosmos, and then you're all not also grounding back down into the body, rooting back down into the earth then yes, you are going to be floating in the clouds, right? And I think this is where some of this, uh, these stories of like people with Kundalini awakenings, like feeling crazy or kind of erratic or, you know, uh, like having, having, just having overly intense experiences is because the act of integration, the process of grounding, the holistic outlook on the practice is not, it's neglected, right? So when you are working with your Kundalini energy, it's really important that you have integration practices and grounding practices. My teacher the school in India where I learned all of these practices, these Kriyas that do work with our Kundalini energy and help to shift it, move it, activate it. The importance of grounding was uh, imperative. It was crucial. It was, it, was, it was priority, right? So when you do Kundalini yoga practices, when you work with your Kundalini, you also want to be in the body. And so this usually looks like after the breath technique, after the Kriya, after whatever it is that you're doing, move your body, do asana practice, um, you know, do shaking or dancing or even go on a walk or a run, eat grounding foods, come back into the body, integrate, integrate, integrate. This is where 
we come to this understanding of yoga in its in itself as a holistic practice, right? We don't want to just be doing pranayama all the time. We also don't want to only do asana because then we won't actually dive into the the deeper soul portion if we just do asana. But if we just do pranayama, we're going to be floating on the clouds. We're going to be totally not in our body and we'll also experience dysregulation and and um you know, a, a, a erratic chaos in our consciousness. So we want to be doing a holistic practice, right? Whether you're working with your kundalini energy or not, we want the movement techniques. We want the asana. We also want the mantra. We also want the pranayama. We also want the, um, you know, the right diet. We also want the guiana yoga, the reading, the books, but we can't only just read books and not practice, right? So we need to take all of these things together. And so if you desire to work with your kundalini, beautiful. We're about to get into that. But just see your kundalini work as part of your overall conscious lifestyle, part of your overall path, your overall practice as a part of grounded embodiment work as well. And then you're going to have honestly just an insanely beautiful awakening because kundalini is fucking powerful. It's electrifying. It makes you radically alive. And when you can ground that down into your body, your personal power becomes exponential, right? Your awareness of self, of the true nature of yourself, your energy, your place in this grand universe, your ability to create what's in front of you, to create and manifest your reality will be so strong and it will land so deeply in your body. So how do you start to practice with your Kundalini? How do you start to work with Kundalini energy? How do you start to, oh, and quickly, because I forgot, I did want to just speak to the mechanics of Kundalini for like a little bit. And we can always get into this in another podcast, but what does Kundalini actually look like in the body, right? How do we experience it? So Kundalini energy, when we work with it, when we do pranayamas and kriyas to uh, awaken it, we are basically moving prana, moving this life force energy through the body, specifically moving it upwards from the root through the column, the central channel in the body, which is called Shushumna Nadi, which is traditionally where the energetic or psychic idea of the chakras are visualized, upwards towards the crown of the head, towards the third eye, towards the higher centers, right? And so we're awake, we're unlocking and infusing our bodies with this high amount of life force energy or prana and then we're moving it upwards and that is where the potential for spiritual awakening the potential for enlightenment moves from potentiality into manifest energy within you so when you're working with your kundalini energy when you're practicing with this form of awakening you're doing a lot of techniques that bring that visualize and bring your awareness to the, the column of the chakras, to the center of the body, to the spine, and just to the upward movement of energy from seat to crown. As you start to do this, you start to experience an, a lightness and a clarity and an intensity of aliveness and presence that you've never experienced before. 
And it has to do a lot of the Kundalini practices and techniques mostly are with the breath. And a lot of them have to do with the breath hold, what we call kumbhaka or retention. And the reason that this is, is that when we hold the breath, there's this expansion of potential energy. During the breath hold is when we experience that coiling up or winding back of the potential of energy in our body of prana that ends up when we release the breath, discharging into the power of awakening within into that burst of prana that alivens you, awakens you, clears all the bullshit, wakes you the fuck up, right? So that's the mechanics of Kundalini. And I could go into that for in detail for much longer, but that's really, really the basis that will help you to understand this more fully. Now, how do you begin working with your own Kundalini? First off, I highly recommend that you find support on your path if you want to start working with your kundalini energy. Kundalini energy is powerful, it is strong, it is intense, and although there is it can be beautiful, subtle, and loving, it can also um be something that you want to have support with so that you can share your experience with a mentor, teacher, guide, whatever. So when you're looking to start practicing Kundalini, I would seek out a teacher, whether that is a teacher of, of Kundalini as taught by Yogi Bhajan. Um, you know, ideally you could find somebody that works with classical Tantra, with Kriya, with uh, specific pranayama techniques. But if you begin to put the energy, the intention out there of seeking, your guide will come to meet you, right? And I, I initiate my clients into kundalini practices. I work with my clients on their subtle energy body, on cultivating their kundalini, on balancing and integrating their kundalini through breath and through kriya. So if you feel resonant with my work, I do offer one-on-one initiations and support with kundalini yoga, with kriya yoga and with working with this life force energy in an integrated healing holistic way so find a guide is really really important if you do want to work with your kundalini i recommend really being in a place where you can commit to a practice where you can commit to a sadhana when we start to work with our kundalini energy we usually take on breath and meditation practices or committed practices called sadhanas that last 21 40 or 54 days and so be in a place in your life where you feel that you can commit to a daily routine even if it's only 20 minutes and that you're really really ready to go all the way because once you wake once you wake the sleeping uh shakti of kundalini there's no turning back right you're awakened you're alive the light of consciousness is dawning on you and you can't you're not going to turn that light off right and guess what if you're listening to this if you're in my space you're fucking ready you got this but just and just uh give yourself the commitment and the space and the the accountability that you need to see it through now, if you're interested in learning some simple techniques like kriyas and breathworks, uh, pranayamas that can start you on this path, definitely head up over to my YouTube channel. Um, sorry, not my YouTube. Well, I do have a couple practices on my YouTube channel. Head over to my Instagram. My Instagram has bite-sized, short, introductory practices that will start to work with your prana so that you can start to have a little taste of the experience of working with this energy. 
when you work with breath work and Kriya and uh, meditation that, that awakens your Kundalini, you are learning to hold more energy in your system. You're expanding your bandwidth for life force energy in your nervous system. So you're going to start to be able to handle higher and higher amounts of prana within you. And it's going to feel intense. It's going to feel expansive. But when you can hold more energy in your system, you can hold more in your life. The expansion of your life follows the expansion of your bandwidth to hold prana within. You can hold more money, hold more love, hold more experiences, hold more presence, hold more emotion, hold more sensation, right? And so this is a beautiful, beautiful path to start. And if you're interested, please reach out. Now, I'm going to drop the link in the episode show notes for this podcast episode to a free masterclass that I taught a few weeks ago, may have been even a couple months ago. And it's all it goes into way more depth on everything that we just spoke about pertaining to Kundalini, the history of it, the practice of it, the mechanics and the energetics of it. So if you're interested in diving into this deeper, if you want a really nerdy deep dive into everything that we touched on today, I really recommend signing up for my Awake Masterclass. It's about 90 minutes. You get the recorded copy sent straight to your inbox to keep forever. And it's, it's really, really enlightening, really, really beautiful. So I will drop the link to that in the show notes. If you desire more one-on-one support in your journey of beginning to work with or continuing to work with your Kundalini energy, then give me a shout, hit me up on Instagram, send me an email, um, and we can, we can start the conversation. As always, there is no pressure to buy, no pressure to actually go forward with one-on-one coaching with me. But if you're interested, please do reach out. All right, my loves, that is all for today. Please, 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 if you enjoy this episode, share, leave a review. You can even share on your Instagram story or your Facebook page and tag me in it. I always repost everyone everyone who's sharing the love. But when you guys share this podcast with others, it helps spread this knowledge. It helps spread awareness of me and my work. And it also helps you claim your your awakening to deeper knowledge, to more knowledge, right? So anyway, I love you all so much. My podcast fam, thank you for listening to me blab at you for however long this was. Sending you all the love. Good night.